You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us, that's you and I, causes us to taught us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And I'm glad that we win. Come on, say that. We win. Listen, tag a friend, let them know that we're on this Thursday and it's going to be a blessing. Listen, we're teaching from the subject, moving past the quit zone. Everyone in life at some time or another in life is tempted to quit. And what we want to do is give you the tools to not quit and not give up. Our theme in this series is how to keep disappointment, discouragement, and depression from aborting your dreams and derailing you. How to keep disappointment, discouragement, and depression from aborting your dreams and derailing you. So you can see that this is a three-part series. Part one is disappointment. We talked about disappointment for two lessons. Part two is discouragement. And we talked about discouragement for two lessons. So today we're going to begin part three on depression. On depression. Now, unmanaged disappointment often leads to discouragement and unmanaged discouragement often leads to depression. So for a few sessions, probably about two sessions, we're going to talk about depression and from this subject, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. I bet you've heard that. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. I got this subject, this subtopic from a life call commercial about medical call alert systems. In the commercial, they show a person who's fallen, usually a senior person, senior age person, and they are alone and they've fallen. And they're advertising this lift device that they could push a button and they could call for help. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. It made me think about depression. And it made me think about people who struggle with depression. Often times, people who struggle with depression need someone outside of themselves to help them get up and to help them get going again. The word depressed means to press down. And depression has to do with a persistent feeling of sadness, hopelessness, and a loss of interest. A persistent feeling of sadness, and hopelessness and a loss of interest. When I think about depression, I think about Elijah, the prophet. 
a classic example of a man who went through a phase of high depression, so depressed that he uh, quit the ministry. I bet you never heard that before. I know if you're a Bible student, you've read about Elijah, but I bet you never heard that he actually quit the ministry. Now, if you want to study out the life of Elijah, you go to 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19. He is going to be our character study in this area of depression. I want to take for our background text, and we'll quote some of the other uh, scriptures, 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 4 in the New Living Translation. That's 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4 in the New Living Translation. It reads, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, Ahab was the king, Jezebel was his wife, very wicked uh, king, husband and wife team, Ahab got when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you. Just as you kill them, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down on a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestor who have already died. Listen, Elijah is in this condition of depression. He's so depressed that he's asking God to take his life. He's literally saying, I can't go on. I'm through with this. I can't take it anymore. A classic, this is deeper than just disappointment. It's deeper than just discouragement. But Elijah is suffering from depression. And we're going to get in some of the specifics of what's going on. But I want to I want to deal with a few things before we get to to the specifics. I want to talk about the dialogue, the dialogue of the depressed. What do the depressed say about themselves? What do the depressed say about their situation? What do the depressed say about their future, the dialogue of the depressed. And then secondly, we're going to talk about the characteristics of the depressed. 
And then thirdly, we'll begin to talk about contributing factors. What were the factors that caused Elijah to enter into this state of depression? What are some of the uh, contributing factors to people falling and can't get up from depression? And we're not going to be dealing with medical causes and we're not going to be dealing with genetics. We're going to talk about depression, and I'm going to give you some Bible insight to overcoming depression. So let's go back and let's talk about the dialogue of the depressed. So what do the press say about themselves? Now, when I talk about the dialogue of the depressed, much of the time or most of the time, I'm not talking about what the depressed person is saying out loud about themselves or about their situations. I'm talking primarily now about the inner self-thought talk. I'll say that again. I'm talking about that inner self-thought talk. Much of the time we are actually having a conversation with ourselves or we're talking, but it's what I call inner self-thought talk. It's not words verbally coming out of our mouth. Sometimes, you know, in the bonus of the heart, the mouth speaks, but much of the time it's that inner conversation that we're having with ourselves, and I call it the inner self-thought talk. So what do the depressed say about themselves? I can't do anything right. I can't do anything right. This is not what they're saying audibly, out loud, but that inner self thought talk talk i can't do anything right i hate myself well most people don't say that out loud but if you could hear their inner self thought talk that's what they're saying i hate myself i'm a failure i'm a failure many years ago when i was struggling in the church and because the church was uh, not growing and and I wasn't experiencing what I call success. I was engaged in a lot of inner self thought talk. Wasn't saying it uh, audibly, but I said many times, "I'm a failure. I'm a failure." If you had been standing by, you would not have heard the words, but that inner self thought talk, I was saying about myself, I am a failure. What do the depressed say about themselves? If I could be like so-and-so, if I could just be like that person, if I could just be like that, you know, uh, from time to time, I will see different churches on television, and, and see different pastors and see what was going on in their ministry. 
And I would think if I could just be like so-and-so, never said it out, but that inner self-thought talk, if I could be like so-and-so. What do the depressed say about themselves? I can't do anything right. I hate myself. I'm a failure. And if I could be like so-and-so. We're talking about the dialogue of the depressed. What do the depressed say about their situation? What do the depressed say about their situation? I don't see any way out. I can't do anything about it. It's not fair. It's not fair. I don't care. I don't care. No one else cares, and I don't care anymore. That's what the depressed say about their situation. I don't see any way out of this. I can't do anything about it. It's not fair. I don't care. No one else cares. No one is helping me. I need help. God is not helping me. What do the depressed say about their situation? Thirdly, what do the depressed say about the future? What do the depressed say about the future? It's hopeless. Nothing will change. I have nothing to live for. No one will miss me anyway. I'm not talking about what the depressed is saying audibly, out loud, I'm talking about that inner self-thought talk. What do the press say about their future? It's hopeless. Nothing will change. I have nothing to live for, and no one will miss me if I am gone. The dialogue of the depressed. Is that you? Are you the depressed person that I'm talking about today? There's hope for you. Let's talk about the characteristics of the depressed. And we need only, you need only to look at 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 18, and 1 Kings chapter 19. And if you look at Elijah, here's what you're seeing, especially in 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 You'll see fear and anxiety. That's what you'll see when you see a depressed person, the characteristics of a depressed person. When we look at Elijah, we see fear and anxiety. He's running from Jezebel because she's threatening his life. He, he, he has anxiety, self-pity. Self-pity. He's running away. He feels sorry for himself. I've done all this. I've been all this. I tried to do this. It didn't work out. He's feeling sorry for himself. Self-pity. Self-condemnation. Usually when people struggle with depression, they begin to condemn themselves. Anger. Anger. I'm angry. All this work I put in, 
All this work I put in my plan, all this work I put in my relationship, all this work I put in my dream, anger, rejection. Nobody wants to listen to me. And, you know, think about it. I went for years before our church began to grow. And I had a lot of inner thought, self-talk. And I felt serious rejection. I mean, I dealt, if, if there's anything I felt more than anything, it was rejection. No one wants to listen to me. In fact, I didn't even want to listen. At that time, they had the little audio tapes. I didn't want to listen to my own sermon. Frustration. 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 I'm putting all this work in, but I don't see where I'm getting anything out. Hopelessness. Man, when you go years, our church didn't grow the first 16 years. When you go a whole year giving an invitation and only one person joins the church, when you go a whole year, you, you give invitations, only two people join the church in a whole year. We had a lot, I had a lot of fruitless years. And so you're dealing with frustration. You're dealing with hopelessness. And then if you're not careful, when you look at a depressed person, you'll see a person that withdraws either psychologically, they're no longer home, or physically. Elijah, he actually withdrew from everything. He quit the ministry. And in the 19th chapter, we see him in a cave all alone, all alone by himself. He left his one servant at Beersheba and he went days into the desert and he ends up in a cave alone all by himself. So we've talked about the dialogue of the depressed. We've talked about the characteristics of the depressed. And I want to begin to talk, and it's going to take us, uh, we're going to have to get over into uh, our next session. But let's begin to talk about the contributing factors to Elijah's depression, contributing factors to his quitting ministry. And here again, I'm not dealing with any medical reasons because there are some, in some cases, there's a medical cause. Sometimes it's a genetic cause of depression. But I'm dealing with that spiritual side, and I believe that you can overcome things. I believe that the Word is the answer. That's what God said to me. He said that the Word is the answer. So I believe that there are four primary contributing causes to depression. Number one, unrealized exp expectations. Number two, unmanaged emotions. Number three, unbalanced isolation. And number four, unwise comparisons. So let's 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 give you that overview of these four areas. These are contributing factors and we'll really get to one, only one today. Four contributing factors to Elijah's 
depression. And I believe that these are also contributing factors maybe to your uh, depression if you're dealing with that or you're ministering to others and they're dealing with this. Number one, unrealized expectations. Number two, unmanaged emotions. Number three, unbalanced isolation. And number four, unwise comparisons. So let's let's look at unrealized expectations the rest of the way. Unrealized expectations. When you study uh, these three chapters, 1 Kings 17, 1 Kings 18, chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 19, you see Elijah in the 17th chapter stands uh, out into history and he's speaking to Ahab the king because this is after the reign of David, after the reign of, of Solomon. This is after the division of the nation of Israel into the northern southern kingdom. This is actually when Israel is in the promised land. And now the outside culture has been infiltrating the nation of Israel. They're yielding to the outside culture. And God commissions Elijah to come on the scene to challenge his people and to challenge this false god of Baal. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, we see Elijah confronting Ahab and says to Ahab, it'll not rain until I give word and a drought came. We see God instructed Elijah to go to the brook Sherith and he will command ravens to feed him. And the ravens brought uh, uh, Elijah uh, bread and, and meat morning and evening. And he drank from that brook. He said, hide. God said, hide by the brook. And God was taking care of his servant. And then the brook dried up. And then God instructed Elijah again to go to Zarephath. And a widow woman would sustain him. And there was a widow woman who had just a little flour and, and, and just a little oil. And she was getting ready to make a, 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 a bread uh, patty for her and her son, and they were going to eat it and die. And he gave them instructions. And that woman obeyed the prophet. And, and that woman and her son and Elijah ate the rest of the way throughout the drought. And then we see this great man of God raising a young man from the dead. And then we see Elijah challenge the 850 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And he's standing there and challenging those false prophets and saying, now listen, let's build two altars. You build your altar, I'll build an altar. And the God that answers by fire, that's going to be the true God. And so the, the false prophets built their, their altar and they cried and cut themselves all day and spent most of the day and nothing happened. 
Elijah built his altar, poured water all over it, and prayed a simple prayer, and fire came down and licked up the water, consumed the altar, and everybody knew that the God of Israel was the real God. And then he he challenged the people to choose sides, and they came over to, to the God of Israel. And then he executed these false prophets and on the heels of that Jezebel when Ahab her weak husband came the king came in and told Jezebel what had happened she sent a message back to Elijah said now listen by this time tomorrow I'm going to kill you the way you kill my my false prophets my prophets of Baal I'm going to kill you and Elijah ran and, and, and he end up in a cave alone by himself, wanting to die. Okay, what happened? I believe it was unrealistic expectations. So after having all these miracles and everything that he had done, what did he expect? Elijah expected acceptance. Elijah expected recognition. He expected a revival to come out. He expected support. He expected a parade. They'll give me a parade. Well, what did he receive? He received a death threat. He had this expectation, and he ended up receiving a death threat. Elijah had what I'm calling misguided expectations. He had some expectations that God had never signed off on. God had never signed off on everybody's going to accept you. You're going to be recognized by people. God had never signed off on a revival, never signed off on everybody going to support you. He had never signed off on you're going to have a parade. He had misguided expectations. And the interesting thing about this whole scenario is that Elijah was highly successful in God's eyesight even though some other people rejected him, even though others did not recognize him, in the eyesight of God, he was successful. You see, God doesn't measure success by our expectations and our standards and what we come up with. God measures success by our obedience to his directions. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, 21, there are many plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. It is the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Sometimes we have these expectations that God has never signed off on. Sometimes we have our own ambition, but we don't talk to God. We don't ask God anything. We just do what we want to do, and we say, now you bless it. I want you to bless it. So God measures our success and our obedience to his directions, not people's praise. God don't look at how people praising you and say you're successful. He doesn't. Measure your success by people's acceptance. He doesn't measure your success by natural results. 
God doesn't look online and see how many likes you have, how many subscribers you have, how many orders you have. God doesn't look at how many sales you have, how many followers you have. God doesn't look at, if you're a pastor, he doesn't look at how many people in the seats. God measures success by our obedience. And if you're doing what God has instructed you to do, regardless of people, their praise, their acceptance, their likes, whether they subscribe or not, or order or not, or buy your product or not, God measures success by obedience. Elijah was obedient, but he has some misguided expectations. If he had evaluated what he was doing on what God instructed him to do, God instructed him to say there's going to be a drought and it will not rain until I say it. God instructed him to go to Zarephath. He went. He instructed him to, to go to Zarephath, and Elijah went. God instructed to raise that boy from the dead, and he did. God instructed Elijah to stand on Mount Carmel and challenge, and God answered. But God did not sign off on people's acceptance, recognition, revival, support, a parade. And so he had misguided expectations. What misguided expectations do you have? What has God said? to you about what you're doing or what you want to do? Have you talked to him about your dream? Have you talked to him about what you're trying to do? Do you have a word from him? Have you spent time to get his rhema word because God want to say something to you? Some become depressed because they have misguided expectations. I'm a pastor. And over the 41, 42 years of pastoring, I've had members to depart. And sometimes members who have significant ones to depart, loved ones to depart, to die, they get so depressed. And they get so angry at God. Yet they are operating under a misguided expectation because God has never promised. There's nowhere in the scripture that God promises us that everyone we love, everyone we're connected to, all of our relatives, nowhere in the scripture has God promised that your loved ones will be with you the duration of your life. Nowhere in Scripture does he promises that. Yet there are many people who have misguided expectations. And that's why we should love people while they're in our lives. That's why we should give our best shot to be a good husband or a good wife or good parent or uh, uh, love our parents and care for our parents because we have no word from God that they're going to be with us the duration of our lives. God never promised me that my mama and my daddy was going to be with me the rest of my life. So God didn't let me down because he never promised that. 
fault do you have any misguided expectations? Misguided expectations, unmanaged emotions, unbalanced isolation, unwise comparisons. So in our next session, we're going to begin to look at unmanaged emotions. We're going to look at unbalanced isolation. We're going to look at some unwise comparisons. And I believe God is going to supernaturally deliver us from depression, if that's what you're dealing with. I want to thank you so very much for spending this uh, time with us today. Listen, I trust that you've been blessed. You can always go back and look at the, the podcast on our Faith Chapel page. I always put it on my uh, Facebook page. Listen, I believe that God is setting you free. Come on, say, I receive that in Jesus' name. Well, thanks for the time. We look forward to seeing you next time.